Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. This guy I've been following on Twitter. I've been inviting him. He's super busy, but he made time for us today. He is a physician at UVA. He's also the co-founder of something called Peak, which we'll talk about, critical care and infectious disease physician. Let me welcome to the show Dr. Tyson Bell. Hi. Whoa. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. Good to see you. I asked you off mic, so I'm going to ask you on mic. Welcome, welcome. Tanya Pinkins is here as well. Have you gotten through this pandemic without catching COVID? I mean, knock on wood, to my knowledge, uh, my wife, myself, my two kids, I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, uh, two turn four today, actually. Um, I don't think either of us have gotten COVID. Um, it, it's been remarkable. And, uh, and, you know, for what I do, you know, going in and taking care of patients yes. with COVID and, you know, all the, all the concern there, but, you know, vaccines, you know, I wear my mask when I'm at work. Um, you know, we've, we've stayed safe, thank God. Uh, I was going to ask you, go, go ahead, Tanya, sorry. What were your protocols that kept you safe, especially with your dangerous job? What What's the protocol? Yeah, well, um, when, when I'm in my office now, so I don't have my mask on um, at this point, but if I step outside the door, um, it's a mask requirement um, for healthcare workers, and especially in the hospital. And before I go into a patient room, I have an N95 on, and, um, and we don't play around with it. Uh, we have universal masking in the hospital. We have universal uh, vaccination in the hospital. And those are two things that work to keep people safe from getting COVID. And so guess what? Our COVID uh, rate in our Mona healthcare workforce is very low. Um, and, uh, and, and that translates to benefits. But it's, just, it's as simple as that. Children are shedders and spreaders. So they're not wearing masks. They're coming home and they're bringing stuff and you coming home. So how, what happens when you get home? My kids wear masks. Um, You know, I I can't, I can't get them to do anything consistently, but one thing that they will do is they'll put that mask on when they go outside. Now, my son even plays recreational basketball in a league and they wear masks when they're playing, when they're going up and down the court. Um, He breathes fine, no issues. Uh, My daughter, when she goes to preschool, she's wearing a mask. And uh, even though my son uh, in our grade schools and elementary schools now is mask optional, many of his classmates are still wearing a mask and he is too. Okay. That seemed to be the, to me, the most idiotic thing. I remember the day that the CDC said, oh, you, if you're in groups outside, you don't have to wear a mask. And I was like, if we had all done this for a month at the, at the beginning of COVID, COVID wouldn't have had, she, Corona wouldn't have had an opportunity to mutate and do all of the things she was able to do in the numbers and the way she was able to do it. But then it soon became a political thing. Like wearing a mask became political. And, you know, I see I feel prematurely a lot of states and governors and mayors are feeling the pressure of these convoys and these people, um, gyms, et cetera. And I'm like, it is the one thing that protects other people. Why wouldn't we all want to do that? I It's done. So there's nothing I can do about it. But that seems to be the thing that has been the most effective. And Tanya travels the world. She had two children both with, that had COVID and she wore a mask around them and didn't catch it. So I. I don't know. So how do you feel at being a scientist, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Bell, watching all of these non-scientists with all of these opinions about things that are not rooted in actual science? How frustrating is it for you? It's very frustrating. And um, and I can't say how many times I'm in 
the lounge with my coworkers, or we just finish, you know, taking care of a patient or, or doing a maneuver and, you know, people have the TV on and we see what people are talking about on TV. And you just wonder if either people are ignoring the reality or they don't see it, uh, but people don't understand the consequences of what they say, um, or maybe they do and they just say it anyway. And when you make recommendations that are against science or erode the confidence in science and things that we know work, that ultimately translates to people getting sick and people getting up hospitalized and, and people dying, unfortunately. Um, at this point, I'm in rural Virginia. Uh, so I am seeing the people who are not getting vaccinated and, and, um, and they're still coming in sick with COVID. Um, despite cases going down across the nation in my state, um, you know, it's it, the Omicron wave is receding, but people are still getting infected. And these people are unvaccinated folks. Um, they are young, um, you know, my age, a little older. They have kids my age and they're still getting sick. And what they tell you, I ask everyone who's not vaccinated, if they're able to talk with me, that's, I can't assume that. But if they can talk, I ask them, why didn't you get vaccinated? And time and time again, it's either I didn't feel like I needed to or I was advised not to, not to do it either on a podcast um, that was spreading this and this information on a news channel by an official, but not from sound medical providers. Um, and, and it's a shame because by the time people get to me in the ICU, it's way too late. You know, mm. you know people are struggling to breathe at that point. And, you know, when, when it gets to that, to that phase, that's when the real comes out that I, I wish I would have, I wish I would have done this and, and taken care of my health. Dr. Tyson Bell is here, T-A-I-S-O-N, it's a different spelling, Bell, B-E-L-L, at Tyson Bell, you can follow him, infectious disease physician. What led you into this specialty? I want to be a doctor since I was a kid. Um, I was one of those asthmatic kids. I was on an inhaler a lot. I went to emergency room a few times. And so from a young age, I was uh, going to clinics, to pediatricians, a couple of times at a hospital. So I was around healthcare a lot and so much so that um, I guess the seed got planted at an early age. And I grew up in an area where I didn't know anyone who was a physician, certainly no one from my community um, went into medicine. And, and so sometimes when you can't see it, you don't believe it. But luckily for me, I had people who believed in me. And I remember going to my pediatrician's office and um, telling them I want to be a doctor and my dentist as well. Um, my dentist actually started calling me Dr. Bell from the age of seven years old. And he actually wrote it in the chart. Dr. Bell's here for his, his uh, cleaning. And so at a, at a young age, people believed in me, fed the dream. And in turn, I believed in myself. And when I ran up against those obstacles, because they, they came, I mean, this was a hard route. If I had to live my life over again, no doubt, probably would not have made it where I am today. You know, mm -hmm. the stars aligned for me and I was blessed but I had people who helped me along the way. And so when a lot of people ask, especially in this moment, you know, I did critical care, I do infectious disease. I'm taking care of a lot of COVID patients. Of course I get really frustrated, but I'm walking in the path that was laid out for me. And that's a, that's an affirming feeling. And so I have that to balance me um, every single day. Where are you, where are you from originally? Lynchburg, Virginia, oh. one hour South Oof. of yeah. Uh, we, we, flags. yeah, we could talk. We could talk about that. Uh. 
Mm. Is that why Nipsey hustles over your, you know, it's like um, two things can happen. You can either fall in line, you know, be the good magical Negro, or you can be like, this is some bull crap. I'm going I'm to show you, you know, better than I could tell you. Uh, you have Nipsey hustle in your, in over your shoulder. Um, what about that young man inspires you to put him up on your wall? Well, you know, Nipsey was just a grinder at heart who believed in himself. And um, he owned his music. He started a company and he kept a circle around him that um, inspired him. And, you know, one of the quotes, one of my favorite quotes is from him. He said, if you look around your circle and you're not inspired, you don't have a circle, you have a cage. Well, I love that. And that picture is behind me just to remind me of that, that, you know, I'm here Mm. because of the excellence of those around me who pushed me, who challenged me. And, you know, I, I stand on the shoulders of giants, right. And the people who help mentor me, who um, I confide in, I share my frustrations, our challenges and our victories, you know, that's, that's how we push each other to, to, uh, to fulfill our full potential. And so that he, he embodied that like no other. And I was so sad, you know, when, um, when he was, when he was killed because of what he represented for his community, mm-hmm. you know, he, um, he traveled around the world and came back to his hood to make it a better place. Cause he saw potential in there that no one else did. So, um, it's, a, it's just inspiring to me. Just Can I say that quote for me one more time, please. If you look around your circle and you're not inspired, you don't have a circle, you have a mm-hmm. cage. Thank you. I'm going to sit with that. Dr. Tyson Bell, um, what do we know about COVID today? Uh, I was like, uh, I I was watching the State of the Union and nobody had on a mask. There's a lot of octogenarians in there. I know everyone is probably vaccinated, but there's a lot of Republicans in there. And it was a lot of uh, spit and breathing. And I was like, so we just, it's just over now? It's like, okay, uh, New York, Come on back. We don't we don't need any vaccines. Come on, no masks. Let's go. Open up the offices. I'm like, New York? Really? We're doing this, New York City? What do we know about COVID-19 and what should we know about the novel coronavirus at this point, two years in? You know, it's it's funny you state the State of the Union, because that surprised me too. Um, I hardly saw anyone wearing a mask there. And and um, you know, that was a full chamber and um, you know, people applauding and and um and lots of huggings and I didn't quite sit right with me, but, um, but as far as the pandemic, I mean, we're certainly in a better place than we were over there over the winter, right? Omicron just kind of came and changed the game. Um, lots of people got sick, including folks who were vaccinated, but, you know, luckily people were vaccinated very well protected from having severe disease. And it kind of, it was kind of like a firework, you know, it, it went high, it burned bright, but then, you know, it rapidly goes away. And right now the wave is receding. Our cases are down to 40,000 per day. That's over half over the course of two weeks. Hospitalizations down by 43% over that same period. And deaths are still high, over 1,000, um, 1,400, but they're down a quarter. And you know these are numbers that we celebrate. But remember about a year ago, you know, these same numbers would cause a lot of concern. And so you know, what we've learned, what I've learned personally, if you ask me what the future is going to hold, I've learned just to say, I don't know, because you really don't know what's going to come next with this, but the nature is to come back in waves. And so we have a, um, we just had a wave pass 
what I'm worried about is what the next wave that's going to come, what that's going to look like, because what we do now sets the stage for what that wave is going to look like. Will we have another variant that, you know, God forbid, has the ability to erode vaccine protection further. Maybe it can spread easier. Maybe it's more deadly. We've seen with Omicron, with Delta and the other variants that they each have their own flavor and there might still be that possibility of one that could still change the game even further. Because I think I would say in the science community, and I was in this camp too, a lot of us felt that Delta was going to be the new sort of standard, that if we saw another variant, it was going to come from Delta and somehow be related to that. And so we could kind of predict what it might look like. Omicron came out of nowhere. It was like a haymaker that came out of left field. We weren't expecting that. And so that that's really humbled us in to you know, really double down on things that we know works, especially when we have cases rising. And, and, um, and even in this moment, when things are looking good, we still need to press vaccination, get people protected, mm-hmm. make sure people have PPE, even if they're not using it. So that when cases do come back up, we know what to do. I'm going to be at a conference this weekend. I, I say I'm wearing my mask. Most, you know, I have to speak. I have a shield. It's like, am I, am I doing too much? Or and I, this, N95, K95, you know, I bought all of them. I got all of the 95s. I got I-95 too. So uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll be out in the highway. What what are your suggestions? Because people are going back, doing things. You know, movie sets are all back. Everybody's back, 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 doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what suggestion do you have for people in groups? Right, and I'm I'm going to assume that you're vaccinated and boosted yeah. if you're doing all that too, right? So, I you know a lot of this comes down to either your personal situation, your risk tolerance, and those who are around you. So I would say at the bare minimum. I think everyone who's eligible should be vaccinated and boosted. You know, we need to get those numbers up. You know, we, we have we have a vaccine mandate at at the conference, so everybody had to prove. Okay. And and I think we even did testing, so you had to be tested two two days before. You had okay. To do testing mandate too. So that's a good that's a, that's a very good level of protection. If you have universal vaccine requirement and a testing requirement, um, you know those two together significantly decrease the risk of COVID. And so, you know, past that. It's thinking about, are you a person who's high risk or do you live with someone who's high risk or someone who's not vaccinated? And in my case, I have a four-year-old who's not eligible to be vaccinated yet. I don't want her to get sick from COVID because she's out for 10 days and 10 days to get that girl in our house. Um, no one needs that. Um, she needs to be out. Um, <laughs> get so, that four-year-old um, out the house. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we have an interest in making sure that she's protected and safe and, you know, none of us um, brings a case, you know, brings COVID to her, you know, if we have that ability to. So, you know, we are going to be um, extra cautious when we're out. Um, and I understand some people who are in that situation who don't want to wear a mask anymore. Um, you know, the CDC has said that that's fine. We just have to think that, you know, the decisions that we make can affect others. So I, I did have a patient two weeks ago. He was fully vaccinated. He was boosted, wore a mask when he was outside, still got COVID. He was a patient who had a kidney transplant. He was immunosuppressed mm-hmm. and he got severe disease despite, you know, doing everything that he could. Some people just aren't going to mount that response because of, you know, he had to take medicines to suppress the immune system to tolerate having the, having that organ. And so, you know, these are the people who it just seems so unfair, Right. We've gone from this, we're all in this together sort of mantra 
down to, you know, really it's on you to protect yourself. And not everyone's going to have that ability to. And, you know, people who, you know, he didn't look like he was sick. You know, people that are immunocompromised, they make up about four or 5% of the population. A lot of them look like normal, healthy people. And so you can't make that assumption that um, because someone looks like they would be okay, that they actually would be. Mm. And so that's why, you know, the, the most frustration I've, I've heard are from people who um, are high risk, who've done all that they can, who feel like it's all on them now. And right. it just feels like a, like they're a at the mercy of a, a bunch burden. of selfish ass people. I'm going to ask you about the gym and swimming pools and all that. Cause there's so much misinformation. Uh, we're going to take some calls as well. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Tyson Bell is here. T A I S O N B E L L. You can follow him on the Twitters. He is active there. We're going to take calls. I see people. If you want to ask a question, it's a good time. Infectious disease physician. He's got it. Critical care as well. He knows some things. All right, Dr. Tyson, we're going to head over to the phones. Michelle in Houston has a question or a comment. Hey, Michelle, welcome. Hello. Um, I have a little bit of a question and comment as well to Dr. Bell, right? Um, I wanted to know what is the difference between an N95 and a KN95? That's a good question. And, um, and, uh, the mask, you know, the the grades of mask is something that uh, can be really confusing sometimes, but just break it down that 95 or, or 94 in case of a K 94, um, what that basically tells you is what percent of aerosols of a specific, um, size are able to get through that mask. And so if you have a N95, that means that 95%, um, you get 95% effective filtration of these aerosols. And uh, KNA4 means it's uh, 94%. Now that range is uh, extremely high and it's multi-layered. There's actually an electric charge inside these um, uh, these masks that actually trap some of the particles that come through them. So it even adds extra protection. But what you need to know is that if you wear either of these properly, uh, they provide you with you know essentially 100% protection close to hundred percent protection from getting COVID. And these are the kinds of masks that I wear when I go and see a patient. And when I go in to see a patient, you know, they're coughing, I'm putting breathing tubes down their throat. You know, I'm, I'm doing procedures where I'm putting cameras down into their windpipe. And so it's all aerosolizing in our, in our faces when we're in the room. Um, but this is what we trust and use to, to keep ourselves protected. And so um, you get you one of those, uh, make sure it fits properly, uh, which means that when you take a breath in and out, you shouldn't feel it leaking around um, around the outside and the edges of it. Um, that provides very good protection from, from from getting sick. So the K and the N are the same? K-N and the N, they're the same? The K-N is just a different manufacturer. Um, okay. And the N95, uh, is, uh, they're just different brands. Now, can uh, but you I wash would, them? Can you put them in the washing machine? Does that deteriorate its ability to do what it is supposed to do? Because I know people that wash their masks. So you can wash a regular cloth mask, but the N95s are not designed to be washed. So um, what I do it. So what I do is um, I do reuse them. But what I do is uh, when I take them off, I put them on a clean surface. And then I just um, when I put it back on. 
a test to make sure there's no leak. And once there's a leak, it does degrade over time, but we're talking about, you know, I have to reuse one, you know, every three or four weeks or so like that. Oh, okay. Um, so they do last, they do last a long time, but you do want to check every time to make sure that, um, do you spray sanitizer on the inside and out? Does that, would that help? No, I just wash my hands before, um, before I take it on and off. Okay. All right. Michelle yeah. had another, she, she had a, the question and then she had a comment. Yes. And then the comment was, um, Karen, um, you get a lot of calls, but you may recall, I called in about a month ago and I was talking about something else. And I said, well, I'm, I think I'm going to clean Houston independently by myself because I'm doing so much. Like I wear gloves every time I go to the grocery store. I use Lysol wipes. I wear the mask, never go without a mask. I think I'll probably forget my blouse before I forget the mask. And Mm -hmm. I do all of that. And then I still tested positive on Sunday. And I have a daughter who is immune compromised and she tested negative, thank God, because I was so afraid. Like I was wearing a mask when I first started with the tickle. (laughs) And then um, I kept telling myself, I did the home test and um, first it came out negative. So I was like, well, maybe I don't have it. I was preparing for surgery of my vocal cords that I was going to have this Friday. So I had to have a real test. So I went to have the real test and they contacted me and said that I was positive. So then I did the home test again, because I was like, is this crap working or what? But then at that point, before I could finish dropping good, it showed that I was positive and she's negative. We did both tests and she's negative. So I'm glad of that but now I'm like locked in a room and I'm like well god I did everything like I'm the only one I feel like that still believe that COVID is real and I got it how could that be when I wear the the mask that must be really frustrating and um and uh I've heard this similar story from uh, lots of people who are doing everything you can, you know, first thing you don't blame yourself. You're doing everything you can to try to keep, you know, your, um, everyone around you safe. And sometimes it still happens. Um, COVID is, I mean, this is one of the most contagious viruses we've ever had on the planet in the history of man and womankind. It is one of the most contagious that we've ever seen, especially the Omicron variant. So these things are gonna happen, but the important thing is, I hope you were vaccinated, um, boosted. Um, I hope anyone around you, especially in your household, if they're eligible, that they are as well too, or at least vaccinated. And the chances of a severe outcome are very low. Um, And you kind of think of yourself, um, think of this as layers. You know, no layer is perfect, right? Nothing is perfect. But you layer them on top of each other, masking, distancing, testing, vaccination. And, you know, sometimes when you go outside and put on the layers on, sometimes you're still going to get cold. And um, I look at it like that. Um, but you know, don't blame yourself. Don't beat yourself up about it. You're doing everything that you can. Um, these things happen. Michelle, thank you for, um, calling and sharing that. How are you feeling? I hear 
I hear the cough. Um, has it been severe for you? I know you're also preparing for surgery on, on your vocal cords, so that's probably contributing to some of the raspiness. How are you feeling? I feel for the most part okay. Friday, I felt like crap warmed over. But um, it's just the the coughing, the dry, hacky cough, and the sneezing, the runny nose, mostly when I'm wearing the mask, because I'm wearing the mask whenever I leave out of my room. Um, I think I was beating myself up, and it made me kind of get into a funk more than anything, you know. Um, so I'm coming out of that because I talked to my doctor. My surgery, of course, is postponed till April, but um, that's the thing. She told me to take cough medicine to protect my vocal cords because this is only going to damage it more than it was already. Mm. So overall, you know, I feel okay, and my spirits is getting better. Um, I'm just, and I am vaxxed and boosted, and so is my daughter. And it's just the two of us in the house, and we limit our contact with everyone you know she goes to school now she's terrified of going back to school because she has to quarantine while I am and that's another thing I getting all this mixed information on how long we're to quarantine you know all right well thank you uh and godspeed and I hope you have a speedy recovery and that your daughter does never that she never gets COVID um and roughly 55 percent of Americans have not gotten COVID Right. I think that's the number, roughly 50, 55 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. So so the majority of people uh, have not gotten COVID. I hope that that stays and remains. Um, but what is the 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 what are they saying right now about the quarantine? Is it two negative tests that allow you to get back out? Because at some point it's like the CDC gave up. They're like, F it just, you know. You feel okay, yeah, they, go to work. <laughs> it's like, what? They changed the, um, and, and just to break it down, there's two different things that we're talking about. So one is isolation. The other is quarantine. Isolation, uh, or I, I tell people, remember, I is for infected. Isolation is if you are actually infected with COVID. Quarantine is if you are in contact with someone who has COVID. Uh, so um, in, in this case, Michelle is the one who would isolate. The daughter is the one who would quarantine. The CDC put out guidance Um uh, that said that basically you could uh, leave isolation after five days, provided you didn't have a fever and that you wore a high quality mask up until 10 days. And that was heavily criticized, um, especially the requirement to, or the, the non-requirement for testing. Many people, including myself, felt that a test should have been included in that. Um, but it was good ultimately to decrease it from 10 days down to something shorter because we saw with Omicron, that it peaked in your your nose and, and mouth at a earlier phase than with Delta. So it peaked earlier and it tended to leave earlier, but there are still a fair amount uh, of people who were still infectious at the five day mark. And so it made sense to test at that point if you were going to try to leave isolation. And then if it was positive, you test again until it's negative. Um, either that or extend it out to 10 days if you wanted to be conservative or cut it down to seven days. Um, and then leave uh, isolation. But the, the guidance from the CDC, five days, testing at that point is optional. And so a lot of people have just been going by their work policy or school policy to kind of figure that out. Personally, if I were to get COVID, um, I would, uh, the requirement for healthcare workers is um, in my hospital is uh, seven days with a test. And I think that's reasonable. 
right. Dr. Now for, Bell. Okay. Um, and then, and, yeah. And then, and then for the daughter, um, vaccinated and boosted, um, there's no requirement to actually quarantine. And so you, um, if the school allows or your job allows it, you can actually go to work. You know, of course I would, you know, recommend that someone mask in that sort of scenario. And of course, if you have symptoms, you know, get tested right away, all that. But, um, if you're vaccinated and boosted, there's no quarantine requirement. So I have a question. There was an article in the Washington Post today. So it's two parts. There was an article in the Washington Post today that someone was starting to try to do a study about why some people do get COVID and some people don't. And what they did is they collected these cases of people who had a very sick person at home and they were actually the caregiver and they um, didn't ever get COVID. And I'm thinking maybe that's what was it with me since I was in two coasts with two children living in the house, eating on the same plate. I didn't get it. But so my question is, because I also started reading about these retroviruses. What can you tell us about retroviruses and their potential to because what I was reading is that there's some retroviruses that they aren't in the blood. They live in our tissues and that for some people any kind of stress or event can activate this hidden retrovirus and cause people to have a reaction that would get rid of their killer cells or something. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah. And it, it's uh, funny you mentioned retroviruses because that's the first thing I thought of. Um, and, and the fact that there are some people for whatever reason may not get as sick as others with the, with the virus. And speaking of retroviruses, HIV was one of the ones that's been studied heavily because there's the small population, but there's a population of people called long-term um, uh, controllers who may get infected with HIV, but they control it. Doesn't, um, uh, doesn't progress to full-blown AIDS despite not having to take medication for it. And so something about their body is able to control the virus from, you know, becoming the killer that it is for the vast majority of other people. And so it's always interesting to study these folks to figure out what is it about their body or their cells that makes them able to do this. And then when you learn from that, you could potentially make a, a drug or a vaccine that could mimic that so that you could uh, have that protection more widespread. And so there's a lot of interest in trying to find out, well, what is it about some people who may not get as sick from COVID versus others who do? And, and so far, there haven't been any, any strong hits. We know that the, the, um, the, the most, uh, the risk factor that tracks the strongest is age. So older people tend to have more severe outcomes. Um, but you know, beyond um, those and some of the others like chronic conditions, and we haven't really found at this point that special population, if they exist, that uh, for whatever reason is uh, does not get uh, too sick from COVID. Um, well, I hope they're, oh, they're up there. On her show, who has yeah, John Hollis has antibodies. Yeah, John Hollis Nobody. has antibodies that kills COVID mm -hmm. on contact. You've heard of him. He's got mm -hmm. super antibodies. All right, we, we have very little little bit of time left. Michelle, thank you again. Uh, somebody on Twitter wants to know, can you catch COVID from sex? Ebony wants to know, uh, is it uh, a sexually transmitted disease? No? Okay. <laughs> it's right. not It's not an STD, but, okay. you know, the activity. Just wear your mask. mask. Wait, heavy, wear your mask heavy, during heavy sex. Breathing, How about that? Yes. Heavy breathing. You're in close <laughs> contact with others. It's, it's a contact sport, so. Yes. 
um, in that sense, but it's, it's not um, the the act of sex uh, does not um, does not cause transmission of it. So the bodily fluid exchange only through the mouth, through coughing and, and breathing on. People. Correct. Correct. So wear a mask while having sex. That just sounds like what the doctor said. All right. <laughs> That's K- quite, quite a visual. <laughs> K and Fort. Hey, listen. K in Fort Worth, Texas. Over all the things. Of all the things, wear a mask and a condom. Hi, K. Welcome. Hi, Professor Hunter. Hi, Dr. Bell. Hello. Uh, Dr. Bell, I have a question. I had um, suffered an emergency laminectomy a couple of months ago. Um, From the, um, after the surgery, I developed uh, complications of blood clots. And I had to go on a, you know, a severe regimen of blood thinners. I have now been taken off of the blood thinners um, just on a um, 81 milligram aspirin a day. And so uh, no one can tell me because I have questions because when the vaccine first came out, it was saying that uh, you shouldn't have the vaccine if you have uh, blood clots or if you ever suffered blood clots. And so now that I, I did from the complication of the surgery. I don't know if I should take the vaccine. I would like to go get vaccinated, but I don't want any more complications of any more blood clots also. So I'm like, I'm, I'm torn. I'm in limbo and I'm unknowing and I'm confused. <laughs> All right, Kay. And I'm sorry that you're going through this. Dr. Bell, we got a couple of minutes. Can you help? Us? Sure. Yeah. So um, I, I cannot give specific medical advice to your situation, but what I will say is that people get blood clots for many different reasons. So um, women um, have higher incidence. If you're on birth control, higher incidence. And if you're post-surgery, you have a higher incidence of blood clots. And so um, knowing um, you know, what the reason was um, is, is always gonna be important. What you're t- referring to for vaccines was uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, where there was a slightly higher incidence of um, cases of, of blood clots that were um, sometimes in the leg, but sometimes uh, in the brain as well too. Um, that was very rare. I mean, you were more likely to get hit by lightning than to have this complication. Um, but, you know, it, it was a serious complication. And then um, a couple of people actually passed away from it. So um, despite being very, very rare, uh, what the field has kind of gravitated towards is not recommending a Johnson & Johnson vaccine, especially for younger women who maybe, you know, have a, a little bit higher risk of this complication but to steer them more towards the, um, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which, you know, they actually, they work, they perform better than Johnson Johnson anyway. So um, the general recommendation would be to use one of those vaccines, avoid the Johnson and Johnson for that reason. But um, the, those vaccines, the Johnson Johnson and the, and the, uh, the Pfizer and Moderna have not been linked to this higher incidence of blood clots. Uh, how long are we going to have to be boosted and boosted and then boosted again and then boosted? And is this like the flu, but way more contagious and deadly because, uh, I've never had a flu shot or the flu. Uh, but this thing seems like it's worse than the flu, but it's never going away. Thoughts on that. We have two minutes. I do think that, um, two minutes is good. I, I, I can work with that. Uh, so I don't know. That's the answer. Um, but what I could predict is that uh, we will either have a different form of a vaccine, one that is uh, maybe targeting Omicron or some of the other variants, or a potential one that targets many different coronaviruses at once. 
Um, and, and if that were to come out, if there was a need for it, then we would go ahead and, and do a, another, another dose of the vaccine. We know that your antibody levels go down over time. So it's not a surprise. The vaccine, um, doesn't, um, you know, it's not perfect. It's not like it, it, you know, your antibodies go out and drop kick the virus before it can touch you. You can still get sick sometimes, um, but it, it's going to be a matter of what the next variant looks like how the vaccines match up against it. And if we have to make a change or an update to it. Well, uh, normal, I think this is the new normal. I'm probably going to be out in public with a mask for the rest of my life. Uh, plus it just is more convenient. Anyway, I, I like my daughter it. calls I, it a face. She calls it a face blanket. She actually like, mask outdoors. I love your daughter. I love, I love the situation idea warm. Of, there's a level of anonymity and safety behind that mask, unless you're trying to get money out of a bank and you're Ryan Coogler. But Dr. Tyson, listen, thank you for being here. Uh, I hope you can come back anytime. You are, you got a great radio voice and uh, I trust you. I like you. Oh, thank, thank you. I'll tell my mom you said that. Yes. Yes. You tell her hello. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.